What is the awkwardest conversation you can imagine? Chances are it might have something to do with the greatest of taboo topics. Yep, it's sex. From wanting to talk with your partner about how things might be improved in the bedroom, explaining that you really rather liked that one move, to proposing something perhaps more adventurous, talking about sex can be awkward, super awkward, and not just with our partners either. Who among us, after all, doesn't know someone with a horror story about a nervous parent stumbling through the talk only to give their kids the wrong idea and completely horrify them, right? It's not the easiest topic to discuss. So let's start by admitting that talking about things that we do while we're naked can be awkward as all get out. Add in the topic of enjoyment and pleasure and it can get even weirder. But it does not have to be that way. Tonight, we'll talk about breaking down barriers that stand in our way for having productive, healthy, and sometimes even bonding conversations about sex and sexuality, pleasure, and healthy attitudes around intimacy. Nothing raunchy or giggly, I promise you. But straightforward, real talk about a topic that let's not kid ourselves, just about everybody is thinking about anyway. We'll take a look at narratives that shape our attitudes about sex and intimacy, about how other cultures view the topic, about how to deepen your connection to and conversations with your partner, make chats with your kids a little bit less awkward, and perhaps even shift our attitudes to a healthier, more sex-positive way of thinking. I promise also, absolutely no Marvin Gaye or Portishead or any other sexy music, but instead, simply tonight, we'll have straightfor- straightforward conversation on a topic that is anything but straightforward. I'm Amy Guth, and that's all coming up tonight on the Saturday Night Special. Live from the biggest small town in America. This is WGN Chicago, radio home of millions throughout mid-America. Radio, well... Radio became the Pied Piper to a strange new world. Time to climb up on our big shoulders and get inside our massive heart. This is the Saturday Night Special with Amy Goof. You heard the woman. This is the Saturday Night Special, and I am Amy Guth. And tonight on the program, we're going to be talking about sex. Look, just about everyone is thinking about it, doing it, thinking about doing it, or thinking about it while doing it. So we might as well just set aside a couple of hours to talk it through honestly and openly and see what we can learn about communication around what is often the awkwardest of topics. We'll be joined by regular contributor to the program, clinical psychologist Dr. John Duffy, to help us navigate conversations with our partners and our kids positively and lovingly. But later in the program, we'll be joined by Showtime's Sunny Megatron and Kevin Melvoin Berg, who will join us to talk about sex positivity and education, and Alexis Thomas, the owner of Chicago's Taboo Taboo Shop and Education Center. She'll join us to talk about what it really, really actually means to be sex positive. As ever, we have a lot to do, a lot to discuss, and a lot to learn tonight. And so I want to make sure that we give our very, very wise and knowledgeable guests plenty of time to share all that they know. But if we have time, I'm sure they would be happy to answer your questions 
you can even give a fake name. Given the topic, I think that's cool. And of course, as long as you keep the language radio friendly there too. 312-981-7200. Producer Lise Graham will be the friendly first voice on the other end of the line. And you can also find me on Twitter and Facebook if you're feeling a little bit shy on the topic. That's okay too. You can ask questions there. Anyway, we are going to be right back to get this show underway here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's a Saturday night special. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks for being with us today. As ever, I'm grateful to you for sharing part of your Saturday evening with us. And so, as ever, we pick one big topic and we spend the whole night unpacking it and thinking about it and talking about all the different narratives. And sometimes those topics are easy and fun, and sometimes those topics are complicated, and sometimes those topics are all of the above. And tonight's topic, we are talking about breaking down barriers to how we talk about and think about sex. So I promise you nothing raunchy, nothing ridiculous. There'll be no giggling, maybe some giggling, but nothing raunchy. We're just going to have some straightforward conversations tonight. And we have a lot of great guests in here to help us do so and share their knowledge. We start, of course, anytime, as I like to say, anytime we we ask ourselves what makes people do that, we have to bring in our good friend, Dr. John Duffy. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Amy. Always great to be here. Thanks for being with us. So when we talk talk about this, I think, the taboo of taboo topics. This is probably one of the biggest of all taboo topics. It's the biggest. Right. I'm trying to think, what what is bigger than talking about sex? I don't know. Nothing trumps sex. (laughs) (laughs) We already have the quote of the night. (laughs) So um, I want to start by talking about the way we talk with our partners, because Mm -hmm. I think that one gets... Um, that one gets interesting quickly because it seems like we tell our friends a lot more than we tell our partners. I mean, I know, uh, you know, you always hear that from friends. You, you're, you know, you hear, oh, this happened. I wish this happened. I wish this happened again or what, you know, you hear all these things. But but at no point do you, you necessarily hear someone going to their partner or people will say, how should I tell my partner this? So I think even just at a very basic level, let's not even get to the part of deep emotional intimacy yet, just straight up having a good time and communicating well, I think that gets really tricky and awkward very fast. Agreed completely. I, I think the striking thing about um, how we talk to our partners about sex is how little we do. And you're right, we're more willing to talk to friends and acquaintances um, openly about this more so than we are our partners. And um, and it's a curious taboo, right? right? Because it's like, you know, this is an important part of, the, of developing a relationship and growing it and developing intimacy with one another and enjoying the relationship. And yet, for some reason, we have this bias in our right. minds against talking about it. Which is so funny. Like, yeah. if, if this is a person you are involved with sexually, then they've seen you naked. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, they've seen you at your most vulnerable. And then, but yet somehow it's easier to talk to someone else about right. what's happening between you, which I think is so funny and weird. But I I get the sense, too, there's kind of a couple of layers of this, right? Because there's talking about um, just simple actions and, you know, actions attached to the act of sex. But then Mm -hmm. also, I think even in a widespread way, we've gotten to where we can, for the most part, talk about sex a little bit. We see it on television a little more than we did a few decades ago. But then, God forbid, we talk about pleasure or enjoyment, I have long said the only place it seems like women are allowed to experience pleasure is in chocolate ads. Those <laughs> those Dove Bar ads, like that woman is having the greatest time right. eating that chocolate. And I was like, 
that's or yogurt ads. Like that's the only place where it seems like it's okay to portray pleasure is around indulgent food like that, but not in the bedroom. Right, right, right. So there's these sexual undertones in a lot of areas of life, but not around sex. Right, <laughs> You're right. Probably very Which right is so about funny. That. So, so in your opinion, I'm sure you you deal with this a lot in your in your practice and working with clients. How do you know, how do people even begin to have that conversation? I think there's probably two different parts. There's the a new partner. It might be easier to start healthy habits than if you've been with someone for a long time to suddenly show up and want to have this really open conversation. Right. Where right. do you start? You know, I, I think like any difficult, tricky conversation, you start in a meta way. You start by talking about how awkward and how weird and how funny this is to okay. be talking about. And um, and then I think if you do that, you kind of have permission mm. for it to be silly and playful and really to get down to like, you know, this makes me feel a little vulnerable or uneasy, but I want you to know how I feel about the sex with you in general or, right. you know, um, this act in particular sure. or whatever. Sure. Um, you know, but unless you are willing to look at it from the top down, that meta level in, I think it's really hard to just kind of jump right into it. I think it kind yeah. of feels like awkward, sure. super awkward. Well, I think that's a good point to just name that awkwardness yes. and just say, look, this is weird. Yep. But I want to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to be awkward about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. And, and you are too. And, and, and yeah. it's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, we'll both get through it and we'll both be better off for it. And what we forget about is the degree to which that enriches the relationship, right? Really, it's a, um, a lot of people would say that sex drives intimacy, but we forget that oftentimes it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. And intimate conversation and really getting to know one another makes sex more enjoyable. Right, right. You know? I, I mean, I think we, that word intimacy has become this weird catch-all. Yeah. You know, even for like feminine hygiene products on, on TV, they're like for like intimate comfort. You're like, what? <laughs> you know? like, that's, that's become this, this catch-all word for so many things right, right, right. where, where you know, what we're really talking about is, is something more specific about emotions and, and pair bonding. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's about um, vulnerability to some extent, right? It's kind of like um, I'm willing to be known to this mm, other person. Mm. You know what I mean? And if you have that willingness to be known, um, then you're more likely to have that reciprocated and then there's this depth to the relationship. But you're right. We, we I think we often misuse the word intimacy. And, and to mean a lot it. of things. Yes, to mean an awful lot of things when in fact really it means that willingness to be known and that there's some strength in the vulnerability of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I was thinking about... Um, the array of conversations that that a couple might have and i think I've, i think i've got to narrow down to like three main areas where this would come up but i'm sure you're going to think of like seven sure. okay so my first thought would be the conversation of wanting to say either i do not like this or i would like to improve this area mm -hmm. the second one would be positive reinforcement this part is going well or i enjoyed this and then the third one would I think, and, and I don't know, I, I almost want to say this would be the, the most difficult, but maybe not. Um, the third one is like wanting to introduce something very different, maybe something a lot more adventurous or really, you know, letting the freak, the freak flag fly. Right, right, right. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think I, I think so many conversations, I'm just thinking like playing back conversations I've had with friends and, and it seems like those are the big three that come up a lot. I, I would agree completely with all three of those. Um, the the piece that I would add is 
I feel insecure about this, or I'm mm. not sure this is working for you. You know, like so. Um, by and large, you know, when I work with couples, they want to please one another. They sure. want each other to walk away from a sexual experience feeling happy Glad and satisfied. Yeah. And so, and there's a degree of insecurity. There's a mm. lot of performance anxiety, especially on the part of men. You know, um, as far as sex goes. So I would add that to the list of I don't like this, or I enjoyed that, or introducing different methods yeah. of having sex. So when so those are four, you know, very different types of conversations. What generally do people need to keep in mind as they're trying to have that kind of conversation after the, okay, this is going to be weird, but I need to tell you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's that there is another person involved. So um, a lot of times we focus on our own feelings or our own desires or our own egos when it comes mm -hmm. to sex, right? Um, so I think it's um, kind of... Uh, like that Socratic method of asking questions about <laughs> sure. like, you know, what was your experience like as well, you know, right, or what, right. what do you want your experience to be like? Yeah. And I think that's often a missing piece because, because it's so difficult a conversation to have. So yeah. we tend to focus on ourselves and our experiences instead of focusing on our partner's experiences yeah. as well. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, it seems like ego would be such a careful one in that first category of a, this is an area that needs improvement. Yep. I mean, yep. that would be very difficult to hear that of like, that this thing that we're doing is not doing it for me. Right. That would be very difficult to hear that. Oh, yeah. Awful. And and that's why I think a lot of this has to be so much talk around sex. People want it to be like, you know, a one and done conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll talk about it and then we'll just be done with it because right. it's so awkward. Go back to not talking. And, you know, the advice that we therapists tend to lend to people is, Keep talking about it. Talk mm -hmm. during, this, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. which, which so many people are so anxious about. Sure. And yet, what better cue to give to somebody than you know to tell them, okay, this this I enjoy or right. this I don't like so much. You Not know? so much with that. Not so much with that. <laughs> a lot less that. of that. <laughs> it's going to be a hard no on that. <laughs> and then what about? And maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later in the program because uh, we have Sunny Megatron coming in from the Showtime show, which I'm sure you have heard of. If not, go to YouTube and check it out, Sex with Sunny Megatron. It's on Showtime. Very, very interesting show. Very frank show. Um, so I think that one, you know, maybe we'll talk about this with her too, but um, I think that conversation for branching out somewhere may be taking a very sharp turn if you perhaps have routine or vanilla stuff going on in the bedroom and suddenly you're like, you know what? A ball gag or whatever would right, be great. Right. You, know, <laughs> you know, like these these restraints or whatever. Suddenly, I think bringing up something really different, like a big departure. Um, how would you even begin that kind of conversation? Yeah, is think, that baby steps or what would you do there? I, I, I think that is baby steps. Yeah. I think you have to ease your way into that conversation. And, and I think um, the main component that we haven't talked about at all so far yet is safety. Mm, is the idea mm -hmm. that, you know, like uh, both partners need to feel like, okay, this is a safe environment. So if we're yeah. going to explore in any way, if we're going to try anything different, um, there has to be this kind of underpinning of, you know, we both feel comfortable and safe yeah. in this situation. Otherwise, that's just going to be awkward and, you know, sure. uh, and, and maybe frightening and, and a hard right. no, you know, <laughs> right. Whatever. Especially like early in a relationship, yes. if you, you know, you don't know what your partner is into necessarily, and you bring up something like, like, you know, I don't know, restraints or something like that. And they're right. like, oh, that's not where I'm at at all. You know, then yeah. it could be super awkward. So let's talk about that safety because I think that's a, that, that is a really important element. Um, how do you begin to foster that? 
Yeah. Um, I, I think that starts way outside the bedroom. You know, I, I think that's developed in the relationship overall um, and it is kind of earned and felt kind of. Um, and I, I think that can be addressed directly as well. You know, um, I, I, it's it's kind of um, something we're talking about a lot today, you know, mm-hmm. safety and, and sexuality. I think a, a lot of the rape culture on college campuses yeah. and in, among young people is kind of drawing that to the fore and allowing that to be a topic that couples can talk about even early on in a relationship, you know, like, um, what, what makes you feel safe here and what mm-hmm. wouldn't. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, in general and, and in a bedroom as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we joke about things like you know, I, I mean, I saw this in a sitcom not not two weeks ago. Someone joked about a safe word for a situation outside of a bedroom. Right. You know, I think <laughs> I think we joke about that kind of thing, but I think it's much bigger. It's it's really a, um, a a deep sense of and something you can't rush with people either. No, and maybe that's an important thing too. Is um, there is this propensity among a lot of couples to push things and rush mm-hmm. into things. And, and I think part of the safety is to take those baby steps and to really allow for, Hey, if you're not okay with this now, right. We, we can put All that in on. good time. Yep. Right. We can put that, we can pause that for right. months. Right? And, right. and we'll be okay. Right. And then that fourth piece that you mentioned of the, those kinds of conversations, the insecure about, I think yeah. I want to revisit that one. Cause I think that is a very interesting one that probably everyone feels at some point and probably people are very reluctant to admit because I think we all want to think you know we don't want to necessarily show that kind of insecurity to our partner because we're afraid it will make us unattractive or whatever but I think everybody has some kind of some sort of insecurity even if it's I don't know if my partner likes this everybody there's no no doubt about it and um and so I, I think the more flattering we are to our partners about what's working and you know what we're drawn to and what we're attracted to about them um the more we allow the the insecurity to be diminished to at least some extent i don't know if you can you can eliminate it altogether mm-hmm. especially early in a relationship um but I, I think it's important to recognize what you said everybody's insecure to some extent. And so don't presume just because somebody's coming into a relationship with a great deal of perceived confidence that that confidence is real and runs that deep. Right. And sometimes people that seem the most confident are are the least. (laughs) Right? Sometimes they have a a well-constructed shield there for them. Well, so, I mean, all this is so interesting and, and I'm sure People are, are listening at home going, okay, well, what about this? What, mm, you sure. know, thinking of specific circumstances. So if you have a question, 312-981-7200. Got to keep it radio clean, but we'll take some questions tonight if you want to do that. We're also, we're going to take a break, get you to news, all that here in just a moment. But we're also going to talk about how to have those kind of conversations with your kids and what to do if your kids just turn around and throw a question at you that really catches you off guard about sex, because that one can be super awkward too. So... Back in just a bit here on the Saturday Night Special on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. Hi there, it's Amy Guth, and this is the Saturday Night Special. Thanks for being with us tonight. As ever, we take one big topic and we talk about it all evening long. And tonight's topic is sex. In particular, we're talking about how we talk about it, how we think about it, and bra- and how we can break down those barriers to having positive conversations. 
every time I've introduced the topic, someone's been st- like a family has been standing right here by the glass and they've been like, okay, well, <laughs> they've been like scurried away. Actually, one family hung out a minute and they were like, hear that kids? And the kids were horrified. <laughs> so there's that too. But nonetheless, that is our topic tonight. And that's why, that's exactly why we're talking about it though, because it's awkward to talk about around your, around your parents or around your kids. And it's, it's sometimes awkward to talk about even with your partner. So that is what we've been talking about so far. We have with us regular contributor to the program, Dr. John Duffy, because we bring him in anytime we say what makes us act that way. Hmm. And tonight is no exception for sure. So, we, okay, we're talking about families. We're seeing families react to this. Right. Let's talk about that because um, sometimes kids will throw very awkward questions. I know my cousin's daughter, when she was very little, would just announce things in the grocery store, like about her body or whatever, <laughs> just would announce things to strangers and was very, very horrifying to my cousin. And But yet she struggled a little bit with how do I not body shame her? How do I keep a positive message about sexuality to her, but also say like, hey, could you put your clothes on? Right, right, right. Um, this, this is uh, kind of a perennial problem that parents are, are dealing with. Um, the biggest problem parents would say they have is they're uncomfortable. They're mm-hmm. they're worried and anxious about talking to their sure. kids about sex, um, like drugs or p- bad grades or what I did when I was sixteen. Parents are often worried about, you know, am I giving tacit permission mm. um, if I if I bring this up? And yeah. you know, and I have to say, kind of unequivocally, there's not much you're going to say about it that your kids haven't heard, yeah. especially now in the internet age. So um, you want your voice to be part of the mix, as awkward as that is. And I usually encourage parents to take advantage of the sitcom moments that you describe. You know, like you, they come. There aren't many sitcoms that you can watch for more than five minutes where sex is not an issue, where it doesn't come up. And so I usually encourage parents to hit pause and say, okay, so this is going to be an awkward moment, but we are going to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, um, and, and I, having worked with a lot of parents, that's their way through the awkwardness, you know, mm-hmm. is to say, like, we're going to take 30 seconds and then we'll move yeah. on. And then, you know, if you if you build up enough 30 second conversations, you finally got a dialogue. going. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like um, a lot of a lot of advice out there really kind of points to more of uh, many small talks, like you're saying, than like the big talk. Yes. Because I think the big talk sounds really terrifying. I mean, in my own life, my mom kind of chickened out on it. She panicked. I mean, she went in there. She's like, let's sit down and have a conversation about growing up. And then <laughs> this look came over her face and she was like, sometime later. <laughs> Just kind of left, left and was like, oh, God, I can't do this, you know. I've yet to hear of the circumstance where anybody, adult or child alike, has had a smooth go at that. <laughs> you know, and so I think recognizing very clearly that that this is awkward with your children is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Yeah. But not doing it is not an option these days. Yeah, you know, kids hear about sex from a really, really young age, and it's a it's a confusing, confusing issue for them. Yet. They're really willing to talk about it. They're open to talking about hmm. it. Um, and it, one interesting thing about like teenagers is um, there's very little shame affiliated with it with them, and they feel this kind of, um, in my experience, this entitlement to a fulfilling sexual life, which is kind of cool. I think you interesting. Know? Yeah, um, but their parents are typically not in the mix their voices aren't heard you mm-hmm. know um in, in large part because 
the parents aren't using their voices. They're yeah. not saying anything about it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's part of the dynamic, by and large, that needs to change. Yeah. So I think two important things that you have just surfaced. One is that implied permission, mm-hmm. and one is the fear of or or making a point to kind of shame a kid to somehow kind of keep behavior in line or accidentally body shaming or something like that. I think those are two important things. I was thinking about there's that um, HPV vaccine ad. Yes. And it starts with someone in their 20s who's just been diagnosed with cancer. And then it's rewinding until they're about 10. And the kid looks at the camera and says, you know, did you know if there was a vaccine for this, did you know about this, mom, dad, did you? You know, and... And I think that's an interesting one because I think when that when that vaccine first came out, the big conversation was, would I be giving my child permission to have unprotected sex or sex at all right. um, by giving them this vaccine so young? It's going to force me to have a conversation about something they won't confront till later. Right. And I think that it was that permission, that tension of permission that was really up yeah. when that first came out. And I think I think um, I love that the vaccine forces that conversation. Um, and uh, just just for parents listening, uh, your kids don't see tacit permission. They know where you stand. You know, like you you probably don't have to give them a moment's lecture on where you stand about sex. I encourage you to talk to them about it and be clear. But they know. They know where you stand. They probably know that you, at 15, don't want them having unprotected sex, for example. Right. You know. Um, at, but to be clear and explicit about that is not a bad idea, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Um, but also to let your kids know what it looks like to have a healthy sexual life, you know? Because let's face it, teenagers are sexual people too, you know? And we forget, we forget that we were there, you know? Um, and we don't like to think of our kids that way any more than our kids like to think of us that right. way. <laughs> right. um, and yet we, we have to. Yeah. As parents, we have to because kids are having sex at younger ages. Um, they're far more sophisticated about these things than they used to be. And to ignore it could be asking for trouble that you just don't want to get into. Sure, sure. Yeah. And so then let's let's talk about the shame part of it. Yeah. How do you have that conversation without, you know, I think the tendency to maybe – want to let your beliefs or feelings be known is say, don't do this. Yeah, yeah. Do not do this. But but how do you have that conversation with your child without shaming them or making them think that sex is bad or dirty? Not to get too kind of clinical and therapeutic yeah. about this, but as parents, ask yourself whose shame you're thinking about here. Because mm. oftentimes it's yours. You're judging yourself as a parent if your child is sexual in any way. Interesting. Right? And then and then you kind of press that down onto your child who is not particularly well equipped to handle an adult's sense of shame. You sure. know? And this is what I see more often than not is that, you know, um, you feel ashamed. Oh, I've failed somehow as a parent because my child is sexual. Mm-hmm. And so I will make her or him feel ashamed as mm. well, you know, um, and pass that down doesn't work first of all um and um makes your kid feel just terrible sure and and eliminates the discussion suddenly you are not talking about this at all right mm, because your child is not willing to yeah because you've this like this wall is up there if, it's if, done if, yeah who, who who would talk to somebody who was shaming them on a regular basis right. you know why yeah. would you right right and then um a lot of times uh you know a lot of people have said that their parents gave them the book or some kind of materials or something like that printed something you yes. know <laughs> um a lot of uh, a lot of those 
not all, but a lot of those books do assume that the kid you're talking to is heterosexual. Right. And so that, how do you have that conversation when, you know, you, you want to make sure that your child feels free to be completely who they are? Yeah. You know, and I've worked with kids who, um, for, whose parents have made that assumption um, incorrectly. And it is terrible for these kids because they have so many hurdles to jump through. Oh, we have to talk about sex and we have to talk about my sexuality, right. which I've got to now explain to them. Yeah. Um, so a- as parents now, I think it's important to kind of address those conversations in a really broad and open way. And to even state overtly, if you feel differently sexually than uh, mom and I do, for example, that's okay. I want to mm-hmm. hear about that, you know, and give them explicit permission to feel differently and to um, express their sexuality openly. You know, this is this is hard for parents to do because some parents would tell me, oh, there's a sense of loss affiliated if my if my uh, son or daughter is gay or transgender. I, it's not what I pictured. And my press to parents typically is, oh, you've got to get over that. And ex- this it's is still your you. child. This is not about <laughs> you. This is your child. Hasn't changed. At all, right? This is still the same person that you raised. Mm -hmm. And so you want to, you have to accept him or her the way they are. Yeah. 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 See, there's a lot here. As ever, we pick a simple topic, something that seems simple. And in fact, there's a lot to it. We're talking with Dr. John Duffy. And the topic tonight is sex, in particular, breaking down barriers to having healthy conversations about it. Let's make it a little bit less taboo by the time we are finished here tonight. But we're going to take a little break and come back and finish this conversation here in just a bit on 720 WGN. Seven twenty, WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guth, and this is the Saturday Night Special, where we take one big topic and talk about different aspects of it all night. See what we learn. We bring in a bunch of really smart people to help us think through it. And that topic tonight is sex. In particular, we're talking about breaking down the barriers to having healthy conversations about sex. I promise you, nothing raunchy tonight. No one's going to be playing any Marvin Gaye or any Portishead or any of that. We're just going to have some really straightforward conversation about a topic that is not particularly straightforward. We have a couple of text messages I want to get to uh, from 815. I'm in my mid-20s and I've never had sex, is that uncommon or weird? Dr. Duffy, I have an answer, but I would like your professional okay. answer. I will I will tell you my answer based on 20-plus um, years of clinical experience. Um, you'd be stunned at how not weird this is, how not unusual this is. And, and so many people, um, th- there's shame around it for some reason. You know, I, I feel like at some point in your mid-20s, you feel like you should have some sexual experience. Um, and um, I'm not sure that that's well-placed shame, mm-hmm. um, but uh, a striking percentage of the clients I've worked with um, up into, let's say, 25 or 26 years old have no sexual experience whatsoever and concoct all sorts of stories um, about things that have happened that never happened. Hmm. And, you know, and, and their goal is to, you know, find a way to gain some sexual experience so they feel something... I guess kind of get in touch with what they're missing out on in okay. their lives. But, sure. um, but no, it's definitely not unusual, decidedly. Isn't that interesting, though, how we assign times of, of what is normal, when it's normal to do what? I mean, even things like, I remember when, when like in elementary school and middle school, even like 
if you wore a bra before sixth grade, something was wrong with you. Right. Like, no, you just, there you were. You needed one. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. The end, you know? Right. And it's so funny, these arbitrary things that we decide that, like, you better start wearing a bra between sixth and seventh grade. Otherwise, something's weird. And on the, on the boy side, I'll throw out, you know, like, um, boy, if you um, aren't hairy in certain parts yeah. of your body by a certain if point in time. If your voice hasn't changed. If your voice hasn't yeah. changed, you know, um, that, that's, that's weird somehow yeah. as opposed to like, well, that happens when your body decides it's going to happen, right. you know? Yeah. Right. It's, it's going to, your body knows what to do. Yeah. All in good time, gonna, people. all going to get figured yeah, out. I yeah. I think that's interesting. Another one, uh, also from 815, if you've been in a relationship a year and a half uh, and the last time you had sex was three months ago, is it wrong? to ask if your partner is not attracted to you um, and how do you ask that without making your partner without making him defensive you know I, I don't know if that's the discussion that, that you have directly I, I, I think you talk about the fact that you haven't had sex for three months you know I think you bring that up as as a point of discussion and maybe you know are we attracted to one another is a component of that discussion um, but also like you know what else is standing in the way here you mm-hmm. know because this is a part of the relationship that apparently you know the the texture wants um, wants to evolve a little bit, right? Sure. And um, so to ignore it would be like staying in a dissatisfying relationship for an extended period of time. Who would want to do that? Right, yeah. right. And there could be many reasons. Sure. It may not be about attraction. Of course. It could right. be like, I'm super stressed out with the deadline and I'm not even thinking about that. It could be a lot of things. I'm insecure about, you know, yeah. my end of things, right? Yeah. Or the way I look or something like that. It could like be that. a lot of things. Yeah. As ever, we take a simple topic and we start getting into it, and suddenly there's so much there. So I want to um, shift a little bit. We're going to bring in some other guests here in a bit, but um, I, I'm very fascinated by the idea of, of cultural attitudes around sexuality. I think that is a, a really interesting topic because um, certain parts of the world, not a big deal to, you know, even even showing more skin is not a big deal as right. it is here. There's so much there's, um, you know, there's this idea that for women anyway, how much skin you show is directly related to how much respect you should get, which I think is nonsense. But nonetheless, it you know, that narrative exists if you're. If your skirt is too short, somehow you're less deserving of respect as a human being. Right. You know, there's all these these arbitrary things, whereas in other parts of the world, um, that's not that is not even a factor right. whatsoever. Um, so I think that is an interesting topic, too, when we think about how how people in other parts of the world are more open sexually and what we might learn from them. Yeah, I agree completely. We um, somehow we have decided um, to create this bizarre taboo around sex and so we have these hang-ups and these anxieties around it that um, a great deal of the world just uh, is free of altogether and um, and I think we could take a page out of some other country's book um, by uh, allowing ourselves to relinquish the taboo a little bit and and be a little more open sexually and a little less judgmental to your point. Yeah, I yeah. mean I think there's a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. I mean and I think there're very competing narratives for men and women of course too, right? That that if if a woman is having sex much less enjoying it, she's somehow a slut. Right. And I don't even recognize that word. I don't I I absolutely refuse to use that word because it's such a it's such a complicated construct. It is. And and for men if he's out having a lot of sex, there's something very, you know, he's very manly. He's this, you know, he's filled with bravado. He's He's rewarded for it. Even, even I think by people who scoff, like, oh my gosh, that guy's with a different woman every week. Even then there's some degree of kind of 
permission about it. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think a lot of um, a lot of young men will will put um, these guys who are players, for lack of a better word, yeah. on this pedestal. Um, you know, like you know, they're they're somehow conquering. You know, <laughs> and and, uh, and it, it's kind of. Um, terrible language to use yeah. you know when, yeah. when it comes to when it comes to sex and and um you know because if it's about conquest then it's not about relating it's not respectful and i think this is happening way too frequently just like the word slut is right. like you know a wildly disrespectful super complicated word that we use in yeah. 15 different contexts yeah, yeah yeah i mean i i hear that used so casually mm -hmm. so casually i mean i just the other day there was a woman on the train who got off the train and as soon as the doors closed these two young men started talking about her and immediately it was I bet that I bet you couldn't have gotten that slut's phone number and I was like what is the ma I mean I said out loud what's the matter with you, you know, and of course I was you know the the scolding grandma sitting right, there right, on the right. train but it was like what are like listen to what you're saying yeah. right now yeah and there's there's an odd pressure amongst men to talk like that, yeah. you know, like, which is, and I don't know that anybody is really particularly comfortable with it. And yet we've kind of created, uh, you know, a culture around that nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like we could do a whole show oh, God. at least an hour or two just on that topic, the way we talk about, um, sexual expectations around men and women. But again, that we don't see that in some other countries. And even I, I was just trying to find it online. Uh, I've talked about this on the show before, but I can't remember the country. I'm pretty sure it was Iceland, but there was a town that proposed even paid time off. They were worried about population and stress levels. And so they're like, please take some paid time off. Everybody should have longer lunch breaks. Go home and have sex, please. Right. And I was like, can you imagine that happening in the United States? Not, Not a chance, right? <laughs> Not at all. Nothing of the sort could happen here. No, we'd be mortified, right? Mortified. And, and culturally mortified. And, um, and there's probably something not quite right about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there is a lot. And uh, a friend of mine has um, has relatives from Sweden, and she was talking to me about how, and this is the family she married into. So when the relatives from Sweden come to visit, they have a pool, and it was no big deal that aunts and uncles and all these people are like sitting outside naked. And her young children who have lived in the United States their whole lives were going, wait, who are all these relatives and why are they <laughs> naked? And she, again, had a moment of, um, I want them to be totally cool with this, but I also have to let them understand that they live in the United States and that's not going to work. You can't just go to a stranger's house and take off your pants <laughs> and not expect the cops to show up, right. you know, Where, which is what occurred. I mean, essentially she got up in the morning and there was, you know, the relative outside swimming laps naked and her little boy standing there going, Hey, this man related to us is somehow, you know, and it wasn't, and nothing inappropriate was going on. It wasn't like that. It was just, you know, a cultural difference that, yeah. was, that had surfaced. Yeah. And, and, and this cultural ease with the nudity and sexuality and, and, and the whole thing. And, and one thing we haven't really touched on is how emotionally and mentally healthy people who are more sexual mm -hmm. are than people who are more repressed, you know, right. and, and culturally we're more repressed. And so um, I think it really does have an impact on our well-being. And, you know, I don't want to ignore that as, right. as a component of all of this as well. Yeah. I mean, there's so much data out there that, that suggests that having a healthy, um, you know, a healthy sex life is adds years to your life, uh, does, does things neurologically to your benefit and mm -hmm. boosts your immune system, all this stuff. And n no point ever, ever does repressing something work. 
No, this I mean, is true. Right. Any right. time in history where someone has tried to bury something or put it away, it's always backfired. Exactly. Something's always gone haywire with that. <laughs> that's a really good point. Repressing things is never the answer. Like, that's yeah, I think that's in a, summation. a good bumper sticker right there. Right. Yes. Because it's, it, the, I think the more you fight with something, the, the, um, it's going to come out either way. Yes. Somehow. And, Absolutely. And I think if you really tamp it down, that's where we see people committing, you know, really aggressive acts because they're so, their their emotion and their, you know, sexuality is so locked up and, and um, there, I'm sure there's and, some internal shame there. Absolutely. And pent up and right. And, and that, that energy just builds and builds and builds until it's not controllable any longer. Right. Yeah. Right. So complicated. It is. And again, we, we need hours. We need hours right. to talk about all these things that come up. We pick a simple topic, and suddenly we need days and days to talk it all out. All right. Amy Guth here on the Saturday Night Special. Dr. John Duffy is hanging out with us in studio. We are going to go get some other guests. You're going to love them. Stick around. Back in just a bit on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. Hey, it's Amy Guth, and this is the Saturday Night Special. Thanks for being with us tonight. As ever, we pick one topic, we unpack it, and talk about it, and think about it, and look at many different aspects of it throughout the evening. And tonight, that topic is sex. In particular, we're talking about breaking down barriers to having healthy and positive conversations and attitudes about sex. Because I think we can all agree it is the queen of the taboo topics, right? What is more awkward than having a conversation about sex, particularly like with your kids, when your kids run up and ask you something, you're like, uh, I don't know, I'm, I can't answer that right now. Or when you need to have a conversation with your partner, that can be difficult. So Dr. John Duffy is here in studio with us. We have been talking about how to have these conversations, but now we are joined by a Alexis Thomas, who is the owner and an educator and all of these things at Taboo Taboo, a shop here in Chicago. Welcome to the program. How are you? Good. Thanks for being with us tonight. So tell us about Taboo Taboo. And it's got an interesting history and it's recently kind of shifted its focus a bit. Yeah. So um, actually, my parents started Taboo Taboo (laughs) when I was like three or four years old. um, And it originated as a condom shop during the HIV epidemic that was like hitting our area. So it's based around Boys Town. Um, And a lot of people can remember it for its like gallery of condoms. That was its theme. Um, And then they went on vacation and the manager at the time um, made a bunch of purchasing decisions (laughs) and it went in a totally different direction. Okay. Um, which it's what saved taboo and that's yeah. what's always saved taboo because at that point, like the sales of those things were starting to slow down. Mm-hmm. You could get them at pharmacies. It wasn't this like taboo thing anymore. Sure. Um, and so they had it for, you know, 18 plus years. Um, and I went off and was a high school teacher and then decided why would I do that when I can do retail? <laughs> when I can take over the family sex shop. Yeah, when I can take over the family sex shop. So I came back and Taboo is always a reflection of its staff, no matter who is there. And so me and my staff are very girl power, rah, rah. Um, 
and Taboo very quickly became about that. So we've really transformed from like your neighborhood sex shop to we like to call ourselves like a sex and body positive sex shop. Um, We carry sizes from like extra small to 4XL and that isn't gender specific but it's feminine specific so whatever Mm -hmm. that means to you Mm -hmm. um and then along with that we do carry you know the typical things that you'd associate with a sex shop um but we feel that those are all kind of connecting into this lifestyle of being somebody who is both body and sex positive so when we say sex positive because that gets thrown around a lot and i think it's it is in danger sometimes of being a bit of a catch-all phrase right of um because i i feel like there's there's contradictory stuff a little bit we were talking about this a little bit on the other side of news about how sometimes people say yeah i'm sex positive but then they'll they'll use the word slut or they'll really you know um in a in a pejorative right or they'll really um uh kind of validate this idea of of a lot of the the male conquest and like the player kind of thing and really reinforce that stuff so so um it seems that your take on sex positivity is much broader much more holistic perhaps right so i think that sex number one is something that we have to stop thinking of as like this is what we do uh, after hours, or this is what you do in a relationship, or this is what you do as a one-night stand, right? Like, this is just an act, and I think we have to start thinking of it as it's a part of our day, it's a part of our life, it's no different than, like, eating raisin bran in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and I think when you start to think of that, then you're 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 going to be more pleasure-driven, um, and then being more pleasure-driven starts to kind of, like, get a little trippy and you start to kind of think all of a sudden like wait a minute I'm getting pleasure from holding my partner's hand or I'm getting pleasure from how I feel when I put on this bra and all of a sudden that's all connecting back to your sexuality so my idea and the store's idea about sex positivity is a little bit different than that definition I think the definition sometimes can get a little scary and like me as somebody who talks about sex all day and is surrounded by sex all day when I meet people who are like raw raw sex positive and very like textbooky about it Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I feel really insecure about my own sexuality um and I think that it can sometimes come off as more like that judgmental idea of it like if you're not hitting xyz exactly um you're not interpreting it correctly so to me and our store being sex positive is being pleasure positive and mm-hmm. being focused towards understanding your own pleasure and understanding other people have pleasures that might not be yours, mm-hmm. but it's totally cool as long as it's consensual and it's with an adult. Um, right. And I think having that broader idea is just a safe and happier like existence. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, pleasure is an interesting topic because we, we were saying this uh, in the first hour, how we've gotten to a point where we can sort of kind of generally talk about sex. It, you know, you can, ha- you can talk about it on TV. You can imply that it's happened on TV. You can even show a little bit of it on TV. But when it comes to pleasure, it becomes a very different conversation. And there's, I think, a lot of uh, interesting narratives attached to that part of it. So it's almost like, okay, culturally, we can talk about sex, but nobody better like it. (laughs) Right. And nobody better like it that isn't owning something at that moment that's going to lead to reproduction. So if that pleasure isn't leading to reproduction, we can't talk about it. So we all know what happens to a male when he becomes aroused and when he climaxes. We all learned that in high school. Sure. You know, I didn't learn in high school, like, what female pleasure really looks like. 
I didn't learn that some people might have or experience pleasure in dreams that can feel just as real as their experience with another person. And then if that happens to you, all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm weird. There's something wrong with me. I'm having a climax while I'm dreaming. (laughs) Um, Like this is a weird thing. So I think that there is this big emptiness when we talk about pleasure because it isn't related back to reproduction. And in the end, we think of sex as it's leading to reproduction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a very good point. Um, So talk a bit about the educational pieces um, that that you've introduced to Taboo Taboo, because it seems like that fits in very much with your with your your vision and philosophy of of um, pleasure and body positivity. Yeah. So we host anywhere from like two to three workshops or meetups or just I I guess it's just like a community. We want this to just be a community space that is going to be surrendered behind this idea of either being sex positive or body positive. Um, and so that can go as far as almost like a voyeuristic, like 101 class for people who might be interested in learning about this different facet of something to um, on Monday, we had a burlesque teacher teach a class called like love your body that your mama gave you and it was literally (laughs) like this is how you feel sexy in your skin with your celluloid and with everything else going on and you just got off of work um and it was like a bunch of women hanging out in the middle of our sex shop shimmying to like really sexy music it was fun so Mm -hmm. i think that um yeah education is really important for us but also taking it beyond this like step by step and being Mm -hmm. more like let's talk holistically so our next upcoming class is going to be a class all about female pleasure and it's going to be an opportunity for women to kind of and men whoever to kind of be in the space and be like yeah like I personally work 80 hours a week and I'm stressed all the time and when I get home like laying down and watching the Real Housewives of New Jersey is a lot more fun at that moment (laughs) than like probably participating in a sexual act with someone. Um, So like talking about these things instead of like shunning these things Mm -hmm. um, because we have like the side of like our education that's like let's talk about like let's talk about reproduction but then we have this other side of like I open up my Facebook and Cosmo's like this is how you become a mind-blowing lover and this is how many times a married couple should be participating in this act this many times a week and like again I literally am somebody who's like surrounded by this every day and I preach to people like just be you every day and I see those articles and I like shrink inside I'm like oh my god I'm being a terrible partner I'm being a terrible woman because I'm not doing this right now and I'm like I talk about that all day long and it still completely influences me and my feelings yeah well I I think Cosmo has long been guilty of the narrative of here's a way you can improve yourself to be more pleasing to others with very little conversation about what (laughs) you might like or want right right I I think that's been a like a long um and off that's a that's a frequent target I think right there for sure we're talking with Alexis Thomas who is the boss lady at Taboo Taboo, a shop here in Chicago, and an education center now that she's at the wheel. So we're going to take a little break and we come back more of this conversation. Tonight's topic is all about sex, in particular, breaking down barriers so that we can have a little bit more open and positive conversations around it. Back in just a bit on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. 
Hey there, it's Amy Guth, and this is the Saturday Night Special. Thanks for being with us tonight. As ever, we pick one topic, and we talk about it all evening long, many, many different aspects of it, and we bring in very smart people to help us do so. We have Dr. John Duffy in studio with us because we bring him in and his expertise. Um, Anytime we say, what is making people act that way? We bring him in. And we also have Alexis Thomas, who is the, I've been saying owner, is that right? Yes. Yes, the owner and educator at Taboo Taboo, which is a shop here in Chicago. And we've been talking a little bit about uh, the culture that you've set up there. Um, I think it is fascinating. You are officially the only person I've ever met who inherited the family sex shop business. That's pretty great. So kudos to you on that very specific designation. But that's cool. I mean, that kudos to your parents. I mean, I've got to assume that's a pretty open atmosphere there in that family. Yeah, it definitely is. Ironically, there is a lot of family-owned businesses in the sex industry. Really? Um, you would not realize it until, like, I was at this giant warehouse and, like, the entire family ran it. I was like, oh, wow, this son's the same age as me, and there's your dad. Talk to my dad. And <laughs> there is a demonstration going on in How the corner. How interesting. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that is interesting because we think about that, that conversation intergenerationally being very difficult and very awkward, but I guess that's the other end of the spectrum entirely when you're having very probably very frank conversations about sexuality with your parents uh indeed so we have been talking a little bit about the culture of the shop and all of that and um prior to uh in the first hour of the show prior to you joining us alexis dr duffy and i were talking a little bit about how you have that conversation with your partner and how you build intimacy because i think that's a thing people dread and i think a lot of people are more likely to talk to their friends than the person that they're intimately involved with uh, about things happening in their bedroom and and that that's well we got to change that that's that's no good for anybody that's not helping anyone out at all so in your opinion you know as people are are having those conversations I'm sure you see see couples at very vulnerable points or perhaps even um people coming in alone hoping to have a conversation later yeah like um I think that our media has changed a little bit about how we view sex that's we've definitely like as a whole like clap us all on the back right we've become more sex positive in our news we're talking you know you've got teen vogue who's doing awesome yeah. stuff right sure. now that you just have never seen before. I, I wish I knew that stuff when I was 13, 14 years old. So we do have a different air going on, but a majority of the time people are walking into a shop and they're already feeling pretty crummy about themselves mm-hmm. or they're thinking of this as like, wow, my partner needs blank. I'm not enough. And it's all of a sudden becoming this conversation of like, I want to explore this. There must be something broken about me. Um, so I think that you do have to create that atmosphere that no matter what, if it's in your bedroom or if it is the shop that you're going to, that feels comfortable. Um, my store, like we rely on humor a lot. Um, and we also really like Spice Girls and Britney Spears and gummies. (laughs) Um, so like 90% of the time when you walk in, somebody is usually singing along to the Spice Girls and eating gummies and saying something that is like ridiculously funny and you just all of a sudden feel like that girl is your best friend and you can kind of tell her like hey wait this has been going on with me how do I feel about this how should I feel about this Mm -hmm. um and the staff we go through a ton of training um and they're not trained as sales associates per se so 
their goal isn't to get you to buy the most expensive thing. Their goal is to be like, wait a minute, you don't need that. You need to go and buy some lube or you need to go and read this book. Um, Mm -hmm. Or maybe you just need to feel sexy in a dress right now. This has nothing to do with a toy right now. So I think that it's just the way that we're phrasing the conversation instead of it being this like you're broken. It's more of like, I don't know. Do you build a house without like a chainsaw? No, like you need a chainsaw (laughs) to build a house. So you should have the right tools Uh in your bedroom. That is a really interesting point. I I hadn't considered what someone's mental state might be when they're going into a sex shop. Dr. Jeffy, what is your perspective on that of, of couples getting to that point of walking in or someone walking in? with the idea of I need to bring more to the table here. Right, right. Yeah, I, you know, um, you, you, uh, Alexis, you elicit this, like, really positive vibe. And I can imagine that you can put people <laughs> at ease very quickly in, in a very uncomfortable circumstance for them. Um, but it, what, what is the magic to that? Because, you know, that seems, it seems like you have to be a therapist and a salesperson and you have to know your trade frontwards and backwards. How do you how do you put all that together so that your customer comes away satisfied and doesn't just turn around and walk out the door? Right. I think it is a lot of like rephrasing the conversation. So let's like not even look at it in sex. Right. Let's look at it in clothing and lingerie because that is personally my favorite thing in the world. I get somebody who comes in and you're like, what are you looking for? I don't know. I'm so ugly. Nothing's going to ever fit me. And you're like, really? Like, actually, I think you have, like, awesome shoulder blades. And they're like, why are you even looking at my shoulder blades right now? You're like, I just think (laughs) they look really great and muscular. Like, we should be rocking those out. And, like, Mm -hmm. having those conversations, like, very honestly, like, woman to woman or woman to whoever you're talking to, like, why do you feel this way? Okay, these are what your measurements are. We're not dressing your shape. We're just, like, dressing your mood. And we're going to dress, like, what makes you feel good and Like, I'm here as, like, your sounding board, but I'm not going to, like, just feed your ego in any of this. I want you to feel better, and I want you to express why you're not feeling good right now. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to not feel good about that. So we do that with clothing, and that, I think, gives us a unique perspective versus other shops um, that sell sex toys because we take that same idea and we approach it towards the toys as well. And so you're all of a sudden not having this conversation of like, well, you should be getting this guy because it connects to your phone and your lover can do this while you're at work. You're having this conversation of like, why do you feel bad right now about that? Like you like feet? Cool. Let's (laughs) talk about that. You know, so I think it's rephrasing the tone, right? It's turning everything in a little bit more of a positive. Mm -hmm. And it feels like it's taking all judgment out yeah, of yeah. All, yes. everything because I, everything you're saying, you know, I, I, I haven't heard anything that hint, a hint of judgment in anything right. you've said. Yeah, I think that it's really cool. Like everybody should be forced to work in a clothing store at one point in their life so that they can see that everybody is beautiful. And I don't mean that in this like ironic way, but like I seriously walked down the street all the time. I'm like, that chick is hot for a blank reason. Like that dude is rocking it for this. And like it really forces you to like phrase everything in this way of like, I can just admire people and it's not coming out of an like a self-deprecating kind mm-hmm, of place, mm-hmm. which is very opposite of what our media wants us to do as women, especially. For sure. Uh, absolutely, for sure. So when someone is coming in and you've had that conversation, do you get, um, I imagine that suddenly um, someone walks in in one vulnerable place and suddenly they're in a different vulnerable place, probably a much deeper vulnerable place. Are you also dealing with very emotional reactions at that point? Yeah, you totally deal with very emotional reactions. And 
it can be either on the staff member's side or on the customer's side. So I'm going to even like flip it a little bit because we're all guilty of this. Like walking into, I don't know, the gap, putting on a pair of pants and the staff associate being like, what do you think? They look great. I look fat. I look terrible right now. And like not even being aware of like how you're feeling about yourself is Mm -hmm. making the other people in the room feel. And so the, this like our staff has to deal with that on a daily basis of somebody kind of like knocking themselves down for something like I have a little bit of a tummy and like the staff member being like I have a huge tummy compared to this person whose tummy's like this and like having to even deal with that front mm-hmm. of it um, is difficult and then sometimes quite frankly we get people who come in interact on that and they they leave angry they leave kind of like either feeling like we're lying to them or they mm. feel like they don't even know what they're feeling but all of a sudden their feelings start to come out in anger and they like you you don't have it happen anywhere but at taboo where there's almost like a personal attack on like the person helping you like well you know you look like you're 20 pounds overweight or you look like you shouldn't be wearing that shirt like those are comments that sometimes get thrown back Mm. and a lot of it is like learning to understand that like you're walking into this box right now that is a hundred percent female positive and that does not exist anywhere and most people don't know how to react to that sure sure that's so you do get different emotions <laughs> yeah I, that's i mean that's a lot that that sounds like a lot so when you're talking about training of your staff that i'm sure there's it's deeper than i can even imagine what right. you're preparing them for yeah and like we're also we're all girls like I didn't wake up every day being like, I'm going to like rock this out with these thighs. Like I wake up sometimes not feeling good about myself and having to like get into a space of positivity with it. There's a lot there as ever. We pick one big topic. We talk about it all night and things just reveal themselves and as as much more complicated than perhaps we ever thought. And often we leave uh, we leave the show with more with even more questions and deeper questions. We're here with Dr. John Duffy. We're here with Alexis Thomas, who is the owner of Taboo Taboo. What is the address and where can people go to find out more? 843 West Belmont. So we're at the corner of Belmont and Clark. Um, And you can check us out online. Our website is www.tabutabu.com. Taboo is spelled T-A-B-O-U at the end. Sometimes people... The first taboo is the customary spelling. The second one is O-U. Yeah, Taboo Taboo. Customary spelling will send you really different direction online um (laughs) right and then we are also on facebook and instagram under our name so like you can also just like message us on there people do all the time and be like hey what do you think about this how do you feel about this like what is your favorite britney spears meme and we will answer it excellent (laughs) great well we'll be sure and share uh the link to the shop on the wgm radio website to alexis thomas thanks so much for being with us tonight thank you all right we're going to take a little break get you to news all that good stuff back in just a bit here on the saturday night special on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's Amy Guth, and this is the Saturday Night Special. Thank you for sharing part of your Saturday evening with me. Always grateful to you for that. 
So, as ever, we take one topic and we talk about it all evening, many different aspects of it with very, very smart experts, and tonight is no exception. Tonight, we are talking about sex. In particular, we are talking about breaking down the barriers to having healthy and positive and constructive conversations about it, because I think we can all agree it gets weird when we start talking with our partners. It's awkward when our kids come and ask us something out of the blue we don't necessarily want to answer right then. Lots of weird conversations conversations happen as as we talk about the topic of sex. And so we have been breaking that down tonight. Dr. John Duffy is here with us. We have been talking with him about how to have those conversations with our partners, with the people in our lives, with our kids, how to have those conversations without making assumptions or putting shame on anybody. There's a lot there. And we were just talking with Alexis Thomas about the sex positive shop that she owns and operates here in Chicago. And now please welcome to the program our special guests, Sunny Megatron and Kevin Melvoin Berg, they did I say Kevin again? I did it again. Ken, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that. I'm just combining Ken and Melvoin is what is happening, and it's coming out Kevin. And I'm very sorry. He's gonna hate my guts. But Ken Melvoin Berg is what I'm trying to say. And I'm gonna turn your microphones on and everything. I'm sorry, Ken. Anyway, you know them from the TV show Sex with Sunny Megatron. It's on Showtime. It's awesome. If you haven't watched it, please do. You can uh, hit YouTube and see some parts of it. It's very, very good and very informative. And we're glad that it exists. And we're glad that you're here with us tonight. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank we you, are Amy. happy to be here. Ken, I'm really sorry. I keep saying Kevin. That's okay, Kevin. You don't even look like a Kevin. <laughs> You don't even sort of look like a Kevin. I'm sorry. Anyway. It happens all the time. Back to six. Away from the Kevins. Away from the Kevins. (laughs) Indeed. Well, so tell us a little bit about the show for those who may not be familiar with it. So Sex with Sunny Megatron was something that was the brainchild of Sunny and myself. I've been a sex educator now for 21 years. Uh, In fact, I've worked with Taboo Taboo uh, for two generations of people now. I worked with Alexis and her dad, Mark. Uh, and her mom as well. Like, I've worked with everybody from there since, like, 2003. Um, when Sonny and I got together, we started teaching as a couple when we became a couple. And that sort of led out to us getting noticed and picked up uh, by a guy named Paul Fishbein, who we created a show with him called Outside the Box with Sonny Megatron. And then Showtime picked it up. And it's a sex-positive TV show where it's... Imagine if you took... HBO's real sex and combined it with the Mythbusters. Besides the fact that I do have an awesome mustache, we also have that Mythbusters-like connection where our show is sort of about the science of sex and exploring uh, fantasies that everybody might have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of exploring, I guess what you would call alt-sexuality alt or alternate sexuality from um, anything to kink or swinging or things that are outside of, I think we even said it earlier, your vanilla norm. So those are the things we explore. And when when you have, uh, I was going to say reader, listener feedback, viewer feedback, um, how what is what was the impact of that right away? I have to think uh, immediately people found it very liberating. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I get people coming up to me on the street in tears. You know, you saved my marriage or mm. I have been afraid to talk to my partner and, you know, tell them my fantasy because I've been embarrassed or thought I wasn't normal. And you inspired me to start those conversations. And it's been life changing. And mm. I hear those things all the time. And wow. it's yeah, it makes me a little. 
little misty eye. A little verklempt. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I'm sure. That's a big deal. That's that's very big. Well, we were talking at the top of the show, Dr. Duffy and I were talking about this, about how to have those conversations, about, you know, how how damn awkward it can be to have those kind of conversations with your partner. Mm-hmm. In particular, we were talking about the different types of conversations that would be weird, uh, one being the let's never go there again, one being the let's make sure to go there again, one being the I don't know if I measure up mm-hmm. kind of insecurity conversation, and then one, then the other one being the here's something we've never talked about, but like introducing something very out of the blue that right. your partner may not be on board with. You know, th- that's what I actually like so much about kink or alt sexualities because people go into it with this, this is a big thing, so I have to plan and have this big conversation. And really the thing is, when it comes to people who are kinky or into those out there things, we're all just the same. We want to be loved. We want to feel validated. We want to feel quote unquote normal and accepted by our partners. And there's really no difference there. Um, So when people discuss kink, it's customary to maybe sit down with a list or a piece of paper, have a more formal conversation. And I think that people who are more in the vanilla realm can take from those activities and sit down with things there's something that we use called the yes no maybe list and it's a list of a bunch of different activities and what i usually recommend is first you sit down with yourself and you say okay you know do i like feet or you know whatever Mm -hmm. it is it's a bunch of different things and you say yes i'd like to explore that no absolutely not or maybe under the right circumstances and once you get to know yourself and what you want as a person then you can bridge that gap with your partner they've also self-explored and then you can really make some new things happen with each other indeed and so when when those conversations are surfacing when you're having conversations with viewers with with people that have become uh you know attached to the show what is the maybe I don't want to say false narrative, but what is the common misconception when people are starting to have those conversations? I think you probably just hinted at it a little bit, but maybe it's something else. What is the thing? You know, what what are most people um, th- thinking about the wrong way or approaching the wrong way? Is it that they're kind of not approaching things with the yes, no, maybe and making too big a deal out of something? Or is it something else? Uh, you know what? There's that's an excellent question. And I think that it goes to sort of this narrative of how we learn things and how we pick up. This is one of the reasons why sex education in particular is so important um, because we shouldn't learn how to have sex from watching movies like, you know, 50 shades any more than we should learn how to drive by watching fast and the furious. (laughs) That's a great way to say that. And there's, you know, in all of sex positive, one of the things about our show that was different than there was about any other show is that we made it sex positive. And that's a very broad term because Mm -hmm. it's so subjective But really what we're trying to do is give everybody that's a consenting adult sexual agency. Now, for cis hetero men, we don't have to do a thing because we already have all of the agency in the world. Everything is geared towards us automatically. So really what we're doing is we're trying to get everybody else kind of caught up to where we're at. Mm -hmm. And I think that by doing that, it automatically and organically evolves into sort of a sex positive area. Mm-hmm. And I, I know for me, growing up and being socialized as a woman, I didn't have that. I was probably, well, I, I didn't get into sex education. This is my second career until I was in my mid-30s. Mm. And until that point, it never dawned on me that I had sexual agency, that I could be very specific with my requests and fantasies or when th- things like consent even. And just really realizing, hey, I can do that. I can call the shots. I can figure out what I want and tell other people. That really was life-changing. So once I found that, I 
sort of want to give it to everybody else, I sure. suppose. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a thing that comes up a lot. In the last segment with Alexis, we were talking about, uh, we were kind of uh, admonishing Cosmo a bit because so often the headline, the thing we see there is, uh, here are 10 ways to please someone else with mm-hmm. very little conversation about what, what do you want? Mm-hmm. What do you like? Mm-hmm. Are you on board with this? And right. Very little conversation of that because she, she mentioned Cosmo, and um, but Teen Vogue now on the very different... Oh, uh, Teen Vogue is amazing. Very, oh, they yes. are totally owning it right now. Oh, absolutely. In fact, there's, there's two things for young adults that I would actually highly recommend, Teen Vogue being one of them. The other is a great website that's run by a Chicago native, Heather Corinna, called scarleteen.com. Yeah. And I actually used to do their horoscopes years ago because I'm also an astrologer that I worked with Irene Hughes for years. So I have the coolest jobs in the universe. I'm psychic astrologer, sex educator. I know it's a strange combination, but... Well played, (laughs) Ken. Well played. (laughs) Uh, But uh, getting back to your original question, I think that a lot of these miscommunications uh, oftentimes come up simply from watching pop culture and it's not addressing it in a healthy way. One of the best examples that I can give is um, about miscommunication in particular. We just were hired not too long ago to go to the University of Tennessee and teach a freshman class there. Now, Tennessee is a state that has abstinence-only education for so long that these people that are now freshmen in college had their oldest siblings also had abstinence-only education. So the first education that they're getting is when Sonny and I come in and talk to them as college freshmen. These are also the states that have the largest cases of things like teen pregnancy mm-hmm. and, you know, STIs. And STIs aren't inherently, they don't make a person bad, but they're just, they're, they're something that are. It's like you mentioned HPV earlier. Mm-hmm. Nobody would shame anybody for having cancer, nor should you hang, you know shame them for having something like herpes. You know, nobody tries to get that stuff on purpose. Sure, right. sure. And so you, you're you going into this this group um, with college freshmen, and what what is their reaction if they've been having mostly abstinence-only education to this point, and suddenly they meet the two of you? Well, it's interesting because we, we consider ourselves not necessarily sex educators, but sex edutainers. When we uh, teach together, we're very spirited, lively, we crack jokes, we make things very easy to learn, so they've absorbed a lot while they were laughing, and they don't even realize and you know I think they were very just surprised at how we can have regular conversations and be relaxed it's not going into a textbook environment well these are fallopian tubes and it's not clinical and they loved it they were full of great insightful questions and if I could have been there for six hours answering their questions I would have been Excellent. We're here with Sunny Megatron and Ken Melvoin Berg. You know them from the sex positive TV show Sex with Sunny Megatron on Showtime. We're going to take a little break. Come back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guth, and this is the Saturday Night Special. As ever, we take one big topic and we just start peeling back all the layers, and suddenly it is not such a simple, straightforward topic. Tonight, the topic has been the queen of all taboo topics, and that is sex. But what we have been talking about is how to have more positive conversations and healthier conversations to break down those barriers so that it will cease being the queen of taboo topics because we 
we want to be able to have these conversations. In fact, we need to. We were talking a little bit earlier about how much data there is out there about how much healthier we are emotionally and physically for having positive sexual experiences in our lives and having close intimate partnerships. So it's it behooves us all not to repress all that stuff and to just embrace it and you do you. So as ever, we have many smart people in the room right now to help us talk about that. Dr. John Duffy is here because we bring him here to the show anytime we have to say, what makes people act that way? We bring him in here to help us figure that out. And Kevin Melvoinberg and Sunny Megatron. I did it again. I keep calling you Kevin. Oh, my God. Now it's in my head to like, don't say Kevin. Don't say Kevin. Don't say Kevin. Kevin. All right. Let me do that again. Dr. John Duffy's here. And also Ken, our good friend, Ken Melvoinberg. You need to change your last name. That's the issue. It's the Ken and the Melvoin together. It, it is. So Ken Smith is here. That guy. <laughs> we love that guy. Ken Smith, Heifenberg, whatever. He's here. We love him. Just kidding. Ken Melvoinberg. I am the biggest jerk in the world for doing that again. And nope, that's what that's fine. Everybody is going to know my name by right. the end of the show. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. You're going to be like the famousest guy ever because I keep saying it over. And Sonny Megatron. You know them from the TV show Sex with Sonny Megatron. It's on Showtime. They also um, hosted the show Outside the Box with Sonny Megatron on Amazon Video. There will be a podcast coming soon. You can look for that. It's very exciting. So. All right. We have been talking about all kinds of of sex issues and sex positivity. I want to talk with you a little bit now when we, uh, I know you do a lot in the sex education realm, and and I want to talk a bit about kind of those those main points. When we think about sex education, most of us are thinking about what happened in sixth grade health class Mm -hmm. when the two weeks where the boys and girls were split up and we had some conversations about tampons on one side and some boys had some conversations about chest hair on the other, and that was about the end of it, right? And so you have a very different approach. Tell Mm -hmm. us a bit about that approach and kind of your philosophy there. Well, you know, textbooks aside, and even learning technique aside, what needs to happen first is self-awareness, emotional literacy, having the, the words and the means to communicate and not just communicate what your needs are. Well, first of all, identify what your own needs are because some of us we can't even put it into words we're not really sure then be able to communicate that to somebody else and then when you're the person on the receiving side to actually listen and to process and to validate that person knowing that that person is probably digging through years of shame that they had and it takes a lot of it's taking a lot of courage for them to open up and have that conversation so those are the things we have to have first before we can get into the mechanics of what's where and what do i do with it and i I might also add something here for for hetero men specifically that grew up in the 70s 80s and 90s we've got to unlearn a lot of behavior like simply coming up to somebody and giving them a massage that slowly creeps forward is not consent yeah. And that's one of the things that all, everything that we do is very consent driven. Uh, so we talk about negotiation, consent, health, but that negotiation and consent is key to learning how to go forward. Now, for single people, um, we also have a, an extra bit of advice, and that is that if you're l- currently looking for a partner, kind of like when you're looking for a roommate, you want to look for somebody that has the same energy and cleanliness level as yourself. So for a romantic partner, you want to have somebody, if you're interested in getting spanked, you want to maybe get somebody that likes to spank. If you are somebody that just likes to be a monogamous vanilla person, there's nothing wrong with that. But find somebody that does that. Don't use kink. 
as a band-aid to fix things after the relationship goes sour. So I think addressing that ahead of time for people that are new to relationships, uh, that's that's really key. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, like, and a lot of this boils down to just learning how to communicate in a way that the other person can understand. Sure, sure. That that does sound very important. So what about people, though, that are already in a relationship? Say that mm-hmm. there's maybe maybe a rut, maybe right. not, maybe, maybe just some patterns established, and one partner wants to bring in some element that's more adventurous. Well, I think, first of all, couples need to remember that we are always learning, we're always improving. We need novelty in our sex lives to keep things fresh. Um, secondly, I love that we live in the modern day and age of technology, because if you want to bring something up to your partner you don't know how, you could say, hey, I was listening to this radio show on WGN in the car, and the, per, you got a perfect in. You can yeah. make it like it wasn't your idea, sure. right? So whether it's you, you watched our show on Showtime, you've seen different YouTube videos, read a magazine article, that sort of thing, that's a great in to talk to your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is a lot of partners wait to talk about sex until they're actually in the bedroom which I really don't advise. Have that conversation clothed in a neutral environment because you're already feeling vulnerable when you're in the middle of having a little bit of fun and then someone starts bringing up a difficult conversation. It may not be the most opportune time to feel validated and comfortable. Sure. Um, We have a couple of texters if you're you're the room here for Mm -hmm. down to talk about that. Okay. Absolutely. So um, from 630, the question is, how do you bring up this kind of what we were just saying? How do you bring up the conversation if it's something, and I'm going to say it the way it's written, really, that's a lot of E's and a lot of A's, something really out there as far as kinks go, like things that aren't humanly possible. Well, 630, you're going to have to elaborate on what is humanly possible or not humanly possible, but what would you advise on that? Well, if we're, if it's not humanly possible and we're humans, hmm. so but I'm not sure. there's a lot of fantasy in there. There's, yeah. there's role play. Um, and again, I would, A, Think of how your partner is receiving it. So a lot of people get very overzealous about their kinks and, you know, and I want to swing from the chandeliers and I want to wear a wig. And, you know, you're overwhelming them. Broach it, um, you know, how you, how you would want it broached to you if it was a new thing. Um, secondly, again, I really, really like the fact that there's so much out there on the Internet. Watch our show, for example. There's all sorts of different you things. And there may have things. been a segment similar to what you're fantasizing about. And that's your perfect mm-hmm. in. Like, hey, that got me thinking about doing X, Y, and Z. Wouldn't that be interesting? So baby steps. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have uh, the, a lovely comment here from Mary. I agree. Repressing is never good for people. Think about holding thinking. Think about holding back a sneeze. I'm no scientist, but I think that's unhealthy or at least really uncomfortable. So repressing things emotionally is the equivalent of holding back a sneeze, in my opinion. I like that. That's true. We were talking a little bit earlier about about how it, repressing anything is never going to work out for you. It's mm-hmm. always going to come up somehow, right? And and sometimes in very negative and destructive ways. Then a lot of times you deal with that in your practice. Practice, Dr. Duffy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we have from from the two one nine. I never had the talk with my son because I thought I would wait till he showed some interest in the opposite sex or even the same sex. He never has shown any interest, and we've never had the talk. He's thirty one years old, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if perhaps I did this to him. He is strictly a loner. You know what? There's actually um, a, another group of people called asexuals that these are people that don't need to have a romantic connection in order to be a fulfilled person. And this person simply may be asexual. It may be as simple as that. But it's, you know, I, I don't think that any time that kids 
start looking at the internet. It's probably never too soon to start talking about these things. And I'm a strong believer of just kind of pulling off the Band-Aid and putting it in terms that they can under, you know, understand. Sure. Mm-hmm. Anything you'd add to that, Dr. Um, actually, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, I, I've got a question for you guys that's kind of nagging at me. So you're, you're speaking all this great language that, you know, I think you get a lot of people nodding when you, you say safety, uh, self-awareness, emotional literacy, um, education, and consent. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the word kink, I would imagine a lot of people are thinking, oh, that's not me. You know, like that, that's not me. I'm stepping out. Do you suspect that a lot of people don't explore enough their, their sexuality with their partners? Oh, I, I believe so. I often oh, yeah. will, will get people that say, oh, you know, I'm not one of those quote unquote freaks that likes to do that weird stuff in the bedroom. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, I like a little spank every once in a while. And I like <laughs> my hair pulled. And I'm like, well, guess what? You're kinky. You're you maybe don't live up to the stereotype you think it is. But I think most of it, most of us, when you boil it down, we're all a little kinky to some degree. You know, there's an interesting saying that we have, your yuck might be my yum. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. There you have it. <laughs> that is an excellent phrase. And I think that's something we can, think, we can all think about a little bit. So we, you know what? I wish we had hours more to sit here and talk about this. There's so much we can talk about this uh, with this topic. There, there's a lot to think about. But I think one big takeaway is really pull off the Band-Aid and have that conversation. Come out and say it. As you were saying at the top of the show, Dr. Duffy, sometimes even acknowledging this might be awkward. I'm feeling uncomfortable about saying this, but I really want to talk to you about this. Sometimes the most honest thing is the very best thing to do. In fact, most of the time. So Unfortunately, we are running out of time, but I want to thank all of my guests tonight, Alexis Thomas, Dr. John Duffy, Ken Melvoinberg, not Kevin, Ken, and of course, Sunny Megatron. We're going to have links to everybody's projects and cool stuff on the WGN Radio website. And of course, you can catch this broadcast. If you tuned in late, you can catch uh, catch it later in the archived podcast form. And I'll be tweeting that out a little bit later. So in summation, everybody, talk about it. You do you. Just don't repress a thing. Just explore, do the things, and let's try to make this big taboo topic of sex a little bit less taboo and talk about it more honestly and in a more healthy way and break down those barriers and make it a topic we're all a little more comfortable with. We're going to take a little break, get you to news, back in just a bit on 720 WGN.